You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. Well, grab your Bibles, your sermon notes there if you'd like to follow along. This morning we're concluding the series that we've been in for the past few weeks titled, God Never Said That. In this series, we've been looking to one or more points of deceptions that we have possibly come to believe that can be misleading. So we've been confronting what I would call, um, what I would call popular one-liners that have wormed their way into our Christian vernacular that sound good and sound appealing, but they're not fully true. And if believed as truth, this is what can happen. It can be misleading. They can kind of take us down the road wrong. The road wrong. The, the wrong road, the wrong path. As I've said throughout this series, and I want to say again this morning, the source of our belief system must be established on the person of Jesus Christ and the authority of God's Word, not the culture we live in. Can I get an amen on that? Culture should not define truth for us. We always want to go back to the source of authority being the truth. Of God's Word. Well, the point of deception that I want to address today is revealed in a Rocky movie. How many of you have seen at least one of the Rocky movies? Okay. How many of you have seen all six of the Rocky movies? Yeah, I have. Most of them are fantastic. One of them was not so good. Most of them are fantastic, and they never... They never fail to stir the fire with them. I can watch a Rocky movie and like I'm all jazzed up. Well, Rocky Balboa, the last of the series, was released in 2006. And it came with one of the most inspirational speeches the Italian stallion ever gave. The speech occurs on a sidewalk late in the evening. And the audience for the moving words from Rocky is Rocky's son. So that's the setting for this clip that I want you to view. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, now go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that. I'm always going to love you no matter what, no matter what happens. You're my son, you're my blood. You're the best thing in my life. But until you start believing in yourself, you ain't going to have a life. Don't forget to visit your mother. I love that line. Makes me want to drink a raw egg or two, work a speed bag, and go conquer the world. (laughs) So much gold in that speech, but as as the phrase goes, all that glitters 
does not go. As much as I love that speech, there's a line in there that's, that's much more than a line. It's actually a lie. And it's a lie that we can fall prey to. And here's the lie. Believe in yourself. How many times have we been given this line of pep talk? I mean, I, I really believe this is shared with the best of intentions. It's, it's kind of like the banner statement of, in our new tradition of building up the self-esteem of a new generation for like 30 years now. It's been an accepted fact in psychology that low self-esteem is the root of like, many of the social and personal problems of the world today, particularly among young people. Like low self-esteem is to blame for everything from high school dropout rate to teenage pregnancy, from overflowing prisons to suicides, from drug abuse to hate crimes. If we can change how people view themselves, then we can change how they act. That's what we say. If people believe they're winners, then they'll be winners. After all, that's how winning's done. Now, don't get me wrong. The self-esteem movement has the right motivation behind it, but what I believe, it's not the right message. Right motivation, not right message. Of course, we, we, we all want to feel good about ourselves, right? I mean, like none of us want to live with low self-esteem, nor do we want our children to dislike themselves. We would never want that. However, the evidence is overwhelming. Increased self-esteem hasn't helped. Our children grow up to see how empty participation trophies are. Prisons are still full. Drug abuse, violence, and suicides are on the rise. In fact, most people agree that things are simply getting worse, not better. Our culture continues to tell us that the, the greatest attribute is the ability to take matters into your own hands, to be the determiner of your own destiny, like the captain of your own ship. You can do anything you set your mind to. I mean, how many of you have heard this statement? Believe and achieve. If you just believe, you can achieve. Like pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. And then there are whole sections of bookstores devoted to helping you have self-confidence above all else and to help you learn to rely on yourself. And I think this kind of advice kind of resonates with us today because there's something within all of us, within our human nature, that wants to be in control. Like, we want to be the captain of our ship. We want to be the one calling shots. Deep down, though, deep down, in the true essence of who we are, in our soul and our spirit, we know it's a lie. The truth is, the older we get, and I'm getting older, and you're getting older too, you just don't want to admit it. The truth is, the older you get, the more you begin to realize that one of your greatest enemies is yourself. No one's misled you more than you've misled yourself. No one's lied to you more than you've lied to yourself. No one has hurt, distracted, or hindered you more than you have. In fact, the more you believe in yourself, the deeper the pit you find yourself in. That's why we want to confront this deception that's partially true with the real truth of God's Word. So here's the deception we're confronting this morning. It's there in your notes. Everything you have in life is a result of believing in yourself and the conviction that anything is possible. At the core of believing in ourselves is our desire to be in control of our lives. Now, let me be clear this morning. I want to be clear as I can because I don't want to get a bunch of emails tomorrow. That this is, not, um, this is not a statement, this is not an indictment against healthy measures of confidence, of courage, of self-esteem, and then the desire to make a difference. This is about recognizing the true source of those things and our willingness to relinquish control. 
This is about learning to trust in God rather than relying on ourselves or being fully dependent on self. So what's the truth? What's the truth to counter the deception? Here's the truth. You were made to trust someone else to be in control of your life. And that someone's God. See, we were made with a need, and that need is to trust God. As I said last week, we function, we function best in our lives when we choose to live life in relationship with God. It's kind of like, it's kind of like our cell phones. Probably everyone in here has a cell phone. And probably most of us, most of us have what we call smartphones. Just this, just this week, I upgraded my phone. I'm headed to Africa this week, and I needed more data so I could download some stuff. So I got a brand new phone. And it's amazing as they begin to tell me all that this phone would do. It's like, man, it was more than I, my mind could comprehend. And if you have a smartphone, it's probably like mine. I mean, think about all the things we can do with this little piece of technology. I mean, you can send texts. You can receive texts. You can send emails. You can receive emails. You can connect in social media around the world. You can go online to the Internet. You can research. You can collect data all with this. Amazing. But this, as great as this piece of technology is, this only works when you have a signal. Right? It only works if you're connected. Have you ever been anywhere where you didn't have signal and you were not connected? Oh my goodness, what do you do? You panic, right? Because we've become so conditioned. You panic because you don't have connection. You lost signal. Now this amazing piece of technology no longer works as it was created to work. Why? You don't have connection. In the same way, in the same fashion, you and I were designed to connect with God. To live our lives dependent on Him, not just dependent on ourselves. See, this is what I've come to discover. Attempting to live life by believing in yourself is a setup for fear, anxiety, and worry. And attempting to be in control of your life will eventually set you up to be knocked out by life's hardships. We want to be those who are believing in someone greater than ourselves. And that's God, the one who loves us outrageously, the one who's consistently, continually working for our good. Let me share with you some of the dangers, some of the, dis, some of the dangers when we believe this lie, when we believe this deception of all I have to do is believe in myself, believe in achieve, believe in I can make it, trust in myself. Because see, when, when you buy into that deception, it's going to take you down a path. It's going to take you down a road. And down that road, there's some, there's some danger. So let me just quickly give you four. The first is this. When you buy into this lie, just believe in yourself, it's an attempt to become your own God. I referenced this last week, but I, I want to mention again, believing in self actually caused the fall of the human race. The serpent Satan tempted Adam and Eve with the very same thing that got him booted out of heaven, telling them, in essence, you can be like God. They bought into the lie. You can be like God. Just believe in yourself. You don't have to trust in God anymore. Just trust in yourself. Listen, it didn't work for Adam and Eve, and it won't work for us. 
But when you go through life just believing in yourself, you can lose sight of your need for God. And it really becomes an attempt to become your own God. Here's the second danger of believing in self. It's an attempt to dismiss our need for God. If I believe in myself and I'm dependent on myself and I can do it all by myself, then do I really need God? I mean, like this was an ongoing challenge for the children of Israel. If you, go, if you look in the Old Testament, specifically in the book of Judges, which covers 350 years in the history of Israel, this is the recurring phrase you'll find in the book of Judges, and every man did what he thought was right in his own eyes. God, I know what you said, but I know best. I'm going to do what's right in my own eyes. So this... There's the danger of just believing in myself. I can, dismiss, I can dismiss my need for God. Not only is believing in ourselves an attempt to dismiss our need for God, but it's also an attempt to take credit for God's work. We begin to take ownership or credit for what God has done. We begin to think that we're great and we've done great things rather than giving thanks and credit to God. This is how it plays out. We begin to sing our own praises rather than singing God's praises. Because after all, I did it all by myself. Look how great I am. If you don't believe me, I'll tell you how great I am. That's how it begins to play out. There's this, there's this danger of a self-confidence that brings us to a self-reliance that causes us to forget our great need for God. Here's the fourth danger of believing in self. It's the opposite. It's the exact opposite of what Jesus taught. I mean, the fundamental statement that Jesus gave us about following him was not to believe in ourselves, but actually the exact opposite. It was to deny ourselves, to deny ourselves that we might live our lives fully dependent on him. So what we see here, this whole line of just believing yourself will get you in trouble. What? It's misleading. Again, we want to be those who are confident. We want to be those who are courageous. We want to be those who, who certainly have a healthy view of ourselves. Listen, we are created in the image and the likeness of God. We have been redeemed by God. We're a new creation in Christ. So I'm not saying we should feel bad about ourselves. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is if you believe this lie of is all you need yourself, then it's taking you away from the very God that you need working in your life and for your life. So rather than building our lives around ourselves, we need to build our lives on God. Now what's interesting is that the way that Jesus teaches is actually in opposition to what our culture says. I don't know if you figured that out yet. But when you choose to follow Jesus, then you're going to live in conflict to the very culture that you're processing life in. Now, last week we talked about you, you can't just say yes to Jesus and go live however you want. That's a deception. Jesus didn't call us just to believe. He called us to follow, to follow, to follow him. To embrace his lordship of our lives. So when you say, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, listen, that's going to put you in conflict with the culture. Because the culture wants you to believe it's all about you. So what do we have? We have conflict happening. 
Paul writes, the Apostle Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I want to read just a couple verses of Scripture. If you have your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. It's on the screen as well if you want to follow along. Notice what he says. For the message of the cross is foolishness. Or we might say silliness. Foolishness to those who are perishing. So, so to those who don't know Christ as their Savior, those who are not followers of Jesus, they look at this whole this whole uh, proclamation of truth of what God's saying as the way to life, and they say, that, that, that doesn't make sense. That's foolishness. But the Scripture goes on to say, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Has not God made foolish the ways of the world? Listen, when you begin to live your life as a follower of Christ and you're denying yourself rather than promoting yourself, you know what the world's going to say? That's silly. That doesn't make any sense. Like, it, listen, if you want to make it in life, if you want to succeed, if you want to get the corner office, then you better stand up for yourself. You better believe in yourself. You better live for yourself. And when you say, no, I'm supposed to deny myself, the world's going to say, boy, that's silly. That's foolishness. Yet, God would say, this is the way that you can open your life to greater life. This is a way that you can open your life to something greater that I have for you in your life. It's what I call the paradox of the gospel. And it's what Jesus has called us to live. Now a paradox, a paradox according to the Webster's Dictionary, is a tenet contrary to received opinion. Or a statement that is seemingly contradictory or opposed to common sense, but it's true. Basically, what seems like foolishness to those who don't have a relationship with God is often, it's often the thing that's most important to us. I mean, what seems silly to the world is the very thing that opens the way for God's power and God's work in our lives. So as I wrap this up this way, I'm going to leave you with three gospel paradoxes. Three gospel paradoxes. The first is this. To be strong, you must be weak. That doesn't make sense, does it? Like if I want to be stronger, like I've got to be weaker. Like that, again, it's like it doesn't add up. That's why we call it a paradox. See, in your weakness and dependency on Christ, he brings his power. Where? In your weakness. I mean, here's a couple of questions for you to ponder. Would you rather have what you can do in your own ability and in your own strength, or would you rather have what God can do in your life? Now, I don't know about you, but that's a no-brainer for me. I live with me all the time, and I know me quite well, and I don't want just what I can do. I'm much more interested in what God can do in my life and through my life. So how do we experience that? Here's the paradox. If you want to be strong, you must be weak. 
Interesting, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. The Apostle Paul writes about an experience in his life. And the experience was something that was excruciating, painful, difficult. We don't know exactly what it was. He refers to it as a thorn in the flesh. People have speculated down through the years as to what it was. No one really knows. But obviously it was difficult. He didn't like it. Matter of fact, the scripture says that Paul pleaded with God three times, God, take this away. I don't want it. Take it away. And guess what? God didn't. But this is what God said to Paul. Again, recorded in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. God says to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul's response to this is found in verse 9. Paul says, Therefore I I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. The Apostle Paul came to understand that his place of weakness would cause him to live dependent on Jesus. And in that, he would experience the power and the provision of Christ in a greater way. In our place of weakness, what we become dependent on the one who has no limits. I don't know if you figured this out yet. I assume you have. But you're limited in your life. Would you agree with that? I mean, there's just things you can't do. Like, you can't speak things into existence. I can't do that. You can't do that. You, you can't leap over tall buildings. Not possible. I mean, they're just, I mean we're limited. But here, here's the exciting thing. In the place of weakness, in my inability, it causes me in a greater way to depend on God, which opens the way for Him to bring His greatness in my life. In your life. So to be strong got to be weak. Here's a second paradox in the Gospels. To gain, you must lose. Again, that doesn't make sense. Like if I want to gain, then how does losing help me gain? I want you to listen to what Paul wrote. Philippians 3, verse 7 and 8. It's on the screen. Notice he says, But whatever was to my profit, my gain, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them rubbish. Notice that I may gain Christ. And so many times, so many times we're, we're too busy chasing after good things, not bad things, but good things such as money or relationships, career and significance that we completely miss out on the greatest gift of all being Jesus Christ and the life he has for us. You know, it's scary to think. It's scary to think that we can have it all, everything the world has to offer, and lose the very essence of who we are being our souls. The things of this world, listen, the things of this world would never truly satisfy us. We'll always need and want more. The paradox of the gospel is that after gaining, we're to live a life of service and sacrifice for Jesus. Only then, only then can we be truly satisfied. Here's the third gospel paradox. To live, you must die. Want to truly live? Now, obviously, we're not talking about physical death here. 
Scripture says to live, you have to die. We're talking about a death to self. Want to live? Have to die. In Romans 8.13, the Scripture says, if you live according to the flesh, if you live for self, I mean, that's what Paul's saying here. If you live according to the flesh, if you live for self, you'll die. But if you live by the Spirit, you'll put to death the deeds of the body, and you will live. Listen, it's in dying to self that we truly discover life in Christ. There's a popular saying in our culture today being YOLO. You know what YOLO means? You only live once. You only live once. And a lot of people use this mantra to, to con, for conquest and self-pursuit. The belief is to make the most out of life. Then, well, you've got to get the most money. You've got to get the most accolades. You've got to get the most sexual partners. Because after all, right, you only live once. And sadly, you can live it up in this life while being marked for an eternity separated from God. It's true you only live once and then comes forever, either with God or separated from God. So there's no in-between. We can only truly live. We can only truly know joy. We can only truly experience all the world has to offer us through Jesus Christ. So the more we die to self, the more we experience life in Christ. And the more we experience life in Christ, the more and better life we experience. So to be strong, we must, we must be weak. To gain, you must lose. To live, you must die. This truth doesn't make sense to the world. Listen, they call it foolishness. But God has defined it as the path to true life and the path to true greatness. And it's not the way of self. It's the way of Christ. This is what I believe today. Until we start thinking right about God, we won't think right about ourselves. We began this morning with a clip from the Rocky movie and his motivational speech to his son. If I were to rewrite that speech with the help of an author by the name of Shane Pruitt, and I was going to share that speech with, say, my children or maybe someone who was struggling in life. This is how I would rewrite the speech. Let me tell you something you may or may not already know. The world isn't all sunshine and rainbows. In fact, sometimes it's storms and floods. Then there are other times that it's scorching heat and droughts. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it'll beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you try to take this world by your own strength and power. There are two great enemies that we must face, the devil and the person you look at every day in the mirror. The devil wants to kill, steal, and destroy you. He's not after the world. He already has that. He wants you. He hates what God loves being you. When the enemy's not messing with you, then the enemy you look at every day in the mirror will be. Besides the devil, no one's going to set you up for failure more than you will. But it's not about how hard you hit back because you'll continue to let yourself down time and time again. It's about how hard your God can take a hit because, he, because it's he that is greater in you than he that's in the world. And when you want to give up, God's power never runs out. 
When you want to hide, God shows up and shows out. When you want to retreat, God keeps moving forward. That's how winning's done. His victory becomes your victory. That's all that matters, and it will matter forever and ever. But you've got to be willing to surrender, to give up, to die, to die to yourself and find the life called Jesus. Listen, cowards don't do that. They're scared to let go, so we hold on. We want to be in control, and we try, and we try, and we try until the day we finally realize that the harder we try, the more we mess up. But you're better than that, or better yet, your Jesus is better than that. He bought you with his blood. You belong to him. Make sure you live in a way that tells the world that he's the best thing in your life. And the best way to do that is by making a daily decision to not believe in yourself, but rather believe in him. In that you win. In that, my friend, you find life. Amen. Father God, we humbly come before you this morning. Lord, I know enough about myself to know what's probably true for every person in this room that's sitting in a pew and breathing air right now. God, we oftentimes are guilty and and leaning into self and believing in self to the point that we lose sight of our desperate need for you. Not that we shouldn't have a healthy self-esteem. Not that we shouldn't be courageous. We should. Because we're your children redeemed by your blood. Living life on purpose for a purpose. We should be confident about that. But Lord, when we take our eyes off of you and we begin to believe that we can do it on our own by ourselves, God, we're in trouble. And so Lord, we just humbly repent today. God, forgive us for possibly buying into the lie of our culture that says you can do it all by yourself. All you have to do is believe and achieve. It's all about you. God, it's not. It's not all about us, God. Life is found in you. God, you manifest your power in our weakness as we live our lives dependent on you. So, Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for living our lives in a self-dependent way. And, Holy Spirit, help us every day. Help us every day to realize our great need. Our great need for Jesus in our lives. May we live our lives dependent on you. And through that, God, may you bring the fullness of life that you have for us. And every day, every day, Lord, may we be reminded, may this not just be something that stirs us in the moment, but Lord, may this message be that that shapes the perspective of our lives, that we live our lives, Lord, not self-dependent, but God-dependent. Holy Spirit, help us to that ends, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.